American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down my balls. That. Uh, welcome back to the Cold War. One, one, four. We're still in Vietnam. Um, last episode. Uh, what happened in the last episode, right? I can't remember. It was so long ago. Right, right, exactly. Well, um, uh, Valoui has um, been given the permission to do what he needs to do, and he's decided to go balls to the wall to wipe out the Viet Minh, which is fine. But all he needs is a um, 100,000 or so men that Paris cannot give him because of issues going on in Madagascar and maybe Algiers, I think you said on the last episode. The point is, he's still going to do his Operation Leah, I think is how it's pronounced, but the point is he's not going to have nearly the men that he wanted, so he's going to have to modify his um, plan of shock and awe. Yeah, meanwhile, the French are in Madagascar throwing... The natives out of planes yes. to teach him a lesson. Mm. Fuck. Yeah. So Valoui's strategy is to eliminate the Viet Minh, and he's going to start by trying to eliminate them in Cochin, China. Step one. Now, yeah, cut a hole in the box. <laughs> now, he sent nearly <laughs> half his force right. down to the Cochin uh, area of uh, Vietnam, up to about uh, 18,000 Viet Minh were down there under the command of Nguyen Binh. Right. Now, the DRV, it's estimated, had about 60,000 regular troops throughout Vietnam at the time. Mm-hmm. So about a third of those are down in Cochin, China. But this, that doesn't count the local militia and guerrillas and villagers that have pointy ah. sticks. Right. You know, you add, there's probably a million of those as well. But right. in terms of regular troops, mm-hmm. and only like half of these have guns, the rest just go pew, pew, pointing their fingers at them, pew, pew. <laughs> that works for me. Hoping that, uh, right. yeah. Hoping You're supposed that to fall down. Them a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they, they don't have a lot of guns, the Viet Minh at this stage, but they have lots of local support and... They're mobile. So when the French right. sweep into Cochin, China to try and crush Nguyen Binh's forces, he just quickly slips out the back door right. and uh, disappears. Just go off the in, road. Like Kaiser, yeah. like Kaiser Sose disappears um, <laughs> into the bushes. <clears throat> and, and they were able to then begin their guerrilla campaigns. They would engage the French when they wanted to, when it was to their advantage, and then disappear back into the jungles as soon as the French turned around. The only real success the French had during the summer of 1947 was political. Now, because Nguyen Binh, like Jiap up in the north, was pretty harsh with his tactics, trying to get the villagers. The Viet Minh didn't have any leniency when it came to villagers not getting on board. It was you're either with us or you're against us. And if you're against us, quite frankly, you're the enemy. And I've talked about this before. That is the nature of a civil war. You're fighting for your lives. And if people don't get on board with the campaign, I'm sorry, you're the enemy. And you can say, oh, well, that's harsh. And he's a mass murderer. 
Okay, sure, but do you say the same thing about Lincoln? Because Lincoln killed a lot of Americans when they weren't on his side. That's basically how a civil war works, people. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be death. And and even if it wasn't for the Viet Minh killing their own, the French are certainly trying to kill enough of them and had killed a lot of them over the years. So there's a lot of killing going on. But but here's what makes it so complicated. So the summer of 1941, excuse me, the summer of 1947, there's fighting going on in the South. The Northern big offensive hasn't started yet. And during the summer, Bolliert, or however you say his name, the the new high commissioner, um, wants to start a new peace initiative. And in fact, in August, Ho had sent out his own offer, again, number 2007, and that he would remove the hardliners um, from his government. Uh, I think it was um, um, Tok Tong Dok Tong and Vo Nien Gap. He said, look, I'll remove, if these guys are too radical for you, I'll remove them, but let's stop fighting and let's start talking and I'll replace them with moderates. But again, that's not really going to get the job done because Valouis is now in charge. He's got the green light from Paris and he's gearing up for his big offensive. So, He's trying to get ready for war. Bouliart is talking peace. So the entire thing is confusing. So I think what they have to do is either go back and talk to someone in Paris and maybe try to come up with a compromise of what, you know, they need to be on the same page. Yeah, just getting back to Nguyen Bin and his yeah, harsh sorry. tactics. Yeah. Um, he alienated both of the major religious sects that were in yeah. China. The, the, the Hua Ha who right. I've mentioned before, the Hua Hao, and also the uh, Cow Dai. Right. Now, um, I don't know who killed the cow, but the cow did die. <laughs> it did. And now yeah. the Cow Dai are uh, fascinating. They're a monotheistic religion mm-hmm. established in 1926 by No Van Chao who said the eye of God appeared to him in 1921. Sure. Not the rest of the God, just the eye. (laughs) Was it the right or left? He saw a big eye. He saw a big Uh, eye in the sky. (laughs) Looking at you, I can read your mind. Well, yeah, he's a guy. I am the... Maker of rules, rules, living with fools, I can cheat you blind. Um, I remember the old days I could play that, but now we can't. Cunts. Anyway, uh, (laughs) the cow die, yeah. So the eye of God, the cow die is the supreme deity believed by cow diists to have created the universe. And the symbol of the religion is the left eye of God Left inside eye. of a triangle. Oh. Now, I don't know how they know it's his left eye left and eye not his is. right eye. Sure. I sure. don't even know how you know God only has two eyes. Why couldn't God have like a hundred eyes yeah, that's looking racist. all different directions? Right. <laughs> you know, like, like a bee. Like a bee. Like. like <laughs> I don't like know. Like Marty. And they're crossed like Marty Feldman. So he's got crossed eyes, God. You never know where he's looking. His eyes are moving. You're like, what? Are you looking at? No, don't. And God's always like, don't look at my eye. Don't look at my wonky right. eye because you make me self-conscious. Right. And there's nothing worse than a guy <laughs> getting self-conscious. Trust me. Don't look at it. Just yeah. That's why you're never supposed to look God in the eye. 
forehead. He's supposed to look at the ground. Oh, the because, ground. No, you right. look at the ground because right. he's got a wonky eye and he gets self-conscious if you look at it. That's um, it. That's fact, people. So anyway. That's fact. The yeah. left eye of God inside a triangle. It looks like the eye of providence on American coinage. Right. Um, now, the, the Caldiasts uh, engage in prayer, veneration of ancestors. They're nonviolent. They're vegetarians. And they believe in the – their goal is basically freedom from samsara like Buddhists. So it's kind of right. enlightenment. Um, you become one with God. Right. And there are about four to six million cow diasts still in Vietnam today. Wow. So at the time uh, when Nguyen Binh is like, get on board and help us fight the French, they were like, sorry, we're pacifists. He goes, right. well – you're Sorry, uh, you're either with us or you're against us. So the, the Caudaists and the Hoahoists mm-hmm. defected to the French. Wow. Because the French said, well, you don't have to fight, but you have to right. get out of the way. The, the, the Viet Minh were like, no, no, if this is your first time at Fight Club, you, you have to fight. <laughs> you have and to like, step uh, up. Well, yeah. yeah, we don't do that. Meanwhile, as you say, Bolly uh, is is in Paris uh, with Val Wee trying to reach a compromise. And in September 1947, yeah. Bolly gives a speech in Hanoi where he offered a united Vietnam the ability to sort of self-govern inside of the French Union, mm. but he didn't mention anything about complete independence. He didn't refer to Ho. He didn't refer to the Viet Minh. He just referred right. to all groups of Vietnamese coming together. But again, still didn't offer them independence. According to American observers, the Vietnamese were stunned at how stupid and ignorant and uh, defiant the French were being even at this juncture. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously this, this is a non-starter. So the, um, I think it's the foreign minister for Ho, if, if, I've, got it, if I've got it correct, um, Hoang Min Giam pretty much says, no, no, thank you. No liberty without full independence. Because again, we, we've passed that part. It's either all or nothing, and we're already fighting. So why would I possibly take scraps from the table when I've already got a hand in trying to win everything we want? So it's a non-issue. It's a non-starter. So the French turn to the former emperor of Vietnam, Bow down and kiss it. No, bow die. <laughs> bow die. Not to be confused right. with cow die. Right, very different. Down. Yes. I yeah. just think of him as bow down and kiss it. Um, In Hong Kong. He publicly accepted a French offer to negotiate on behalf of the Vietnamese people. Now, why would the French deal with bow down, Ray? Well, I mean, this guy, if you certainly if you compare him to Ho, he's not exactly a man of convictions. So maybe he is not perfect, but he's probably a lot easier to talk to than to Ho, who is not giving up anything. He wants, you know, complete independence for his country. So I'm I'm guessing relative to Ho, he seems like someone they could possibly work with and let's be honest, probably control. 
Yeah, I think the French see him as fairly weak. Um, we've talked before how he's a bit of a playboy. Yeah. All he really wanted to do was hit get the off. casinos, what, what? go to the horse races, yeah. get a lot of pussy. Right. Um, uh, you know. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they think he's weak, he's corrupt, he'll do what we tell him. We'll just, yeah. you know, offer to keep him in coke and hookers and he'll be <laughs> he'll be happy. I am your man. Much to their surprise, <laughs> Bow Down also insisted on full independence and national unity. And I say, good for the whoremonger of Hong Kong. Good for him. <laughs> Stood up, he found his backbone. Yeah. Yeah. Now, why would he do this, Ray? What's your analysis of why bow down would surprise the French like this? I think that the bar has been set by Ho and the Viet Minh, and I'm guessing that maybe if he said, "Look, I will do whatever you want." For the to the French, I'll give you whatever you want, say whatever you want, agree with everybody. Maybe his life wouldn't be worth spit. Maybe the Viet Minh might uh, eliminate him. I don't know, but um, I just have a hard time seeing him as really. I mean, is this guy a patriot? Does he finally find love of country? I don't know, but he's probably got to be thinking to some degree about the Viet Minh response to him completely kissing French ass. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. For once. Buddy, I agree with you. For once, <laughs> I think your analysis nailed it. Is actually makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, I think he realized he's like he's he he might be a lazy coke snorting whore fucking playboy, but he's not a complete idiot. He realizes right. that if he gives into the French at this juncture, he's yeah. gonna look like a complete moron. Um, the the Viet Minh are going to call him a traitor. The other nationalist parties will also call him a traitor. Yeah. He'll never be, at very best, he'll never be able to go back to Vietnam. Uh, he'll, at worst, he'll probably get hunted down and assassinated for being a traitor. Um, and whether or not he could even live with himself, I don't know, by being that much of a weak, spineless fool. Sure. So, yeah, I think that's what's going on there. So the French come up with plan number 17 here. Um, again, keeping in mind, the French don't really care about independence for the Vietnamese people. Right. They think right. They still think they're going to be able to conquer them on the battlefield and, and use their military to assert control, but they need to be putting on a good show for the Americans. Mm. Because the Americans are like, look, do what you got to do in Madagascar. No one's paying attention. They're darkies, right? right. But, you know, pe- Ho, you know, he's yeah, people who at least know who Ho is. Right, yeah. right. Um, you you, you got to make it look good, right? you you, you got to think about the optics when it comes to Vietnam. So they pulled together a group of non-communist nationalist parties who are referred to as the National United Front. Huh. And they, they, try, they try and negotiate with them. Right. They, they so meet they in, bring... Sorry, I was just going to say they meet in Hong Kong, to which Bao Dai says, hey, come with me. I know all the best places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep going. 
No, that that was all I had. I just wanted to slip that joke in there. Hey, you guys are going to meet. Is this a convention? Fuck. Follow me. I know all the best, you know, wink, wink places to go to. I got some massage parlors in Florida. Trust me, top-notch ladies. That's all I had. Too soon? Well, good effort. Too soon? So they uh, they go to Hong Kong. They meet with the French. And now the National United Front rejects oh, shit. the French's offers. Oh, shit. Meanwhile, there are, Saigon is full of rumours that Bao Down is in contact with Ho. But in the months that follows, Bao Down softens his stance and gradually moves closer to the French. Now, Bolly, who had been told when he was in Paris with Val Wee not Mm -hmm. to enter negotiations with Ho, gave a big speech uh, near Hanoi in September where he offered not independence for Vietnam, but this qualified form of liberty within the French Union that I mentioned before. He said, you can... can be in the French Union and have your liberty. Right. He said, does that include full independence? He went, <coughs> what? Oh, look at the time i got to go. <laughs> so the, this idea was the Vietnamese could kind of run their own internal affairs. Right. Decide for themselves even whether or not Cochin China would be part of the, the Republic of Vietnam. But... The French would maintain control of the military, all of the diplomatic services, and all of the economy. Right. Bullshit. That was what the French were offering. Yeah, you can have some sort of internal self-governing, but we control all the important shit that actually matters. And according to the French, there was no room for negotiation on those points. Right. But And Bolly added... The yeah. offer must be rejected or accepted as a whole. So he's making things impossible. He's purposefully sabotaging, but in case the Americans are looking over his shoulder, say, yeah, 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 no, we're, we're talking. We're doing a lot of talking, a lot of dialogue going on. Yeah, yeah, got it. But it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. But eventually, as months passed, bowed down started to make noises like he might be willing to do a deal with the French. I'm assuming because they kept upping their offers of the amount of Coke right. that they were going to supply from the, the French connection. Yeah. And uh, he started to he started to, to turn. Yeah. But then on October 7th, 1947, Val Wee finally kicked off his offensive into the Viet Bac region, northern uh, northern part of Vietnam, up north of Hanoi, mm-hmm. where Ho has his Ho quarters. And he's, uh, he's going to go and try and take, he's going to try and capture the Ho. Yes. That was, they, they st- that was the initial name of the operation, Operation Capture the Ho. <laughs> but uh, in the end, it was called Operation... Leia, named after Princess Leia, because that. it was a smart, smart, feisty, brave diplomat and warrior <laughs> of a of a plan. Spunky, spunky and right. sexy. Yeah, mm. yeah. 
Now, you have to admit, I mean, so he doesn't have the numbers that he wanted, so he has to modify his uh, tactics, he has to modify the overall strategy, but it's still a good one. So you've got this area to the north and northwest of um, Hanoi, and so what they're going to do, and and the man in charge of this for Valoui is General Raoul Salan, if I'm saying his name right. He's like, you know what, fuck, this is only going to take me three weeks, we're badass, we're French. So we got Operation Leia being started on October 7th, 1947. What they're going to do is they're going to drop 1,100 paratroopers on the northern edge of the Viet Minh base zone. You know, Bac Khan, like you were saying, north of Hanoi. They're going to go in there, and because they're literally floating down out of the sky, they're going to surprise the Viet Minh. They're going to um, be able to go into headquarters, capture Ho, capture the general staff, capture his cabinet. And while they're doing that, just as fast as they possibly can, a force is going to be coming from a location, Lang Son, which is southeast of Bac Khan, and there's going to be about 15,000 French troops are going to go down the road as fast as they can. They're moving to the west, and they're going to try to get to the paratroopers who have captured Ho and his staff. There's a smaller force coming from the north, but again, there's supposed to be a pincer movement. Go in there, capture them, and then the bigger forces come, and then suddenly this war is over with. And because you've got all these troops in the area, go ahead and wipe out the enemy as fast as you possibly can. It's a simple plan. It's direct, but it should be pretty effective. But what they haven't planned on is that the Viet Minh have been for months planting mines, barricades, and traps all along the ways, not only in the woods, but also the, the, the paths that the French are going to have to take, and the French infantry is going to get delayed, and so these men, these paratroopers who were supposed to drop and capture, are waiting for these guys to come and help them, but the cavalry, if you will, is going to be, be delayed by all the hard work the Viet Minh have been doing since the war has started. Now, the guy in charge of Operation Princess Leia, uh, Jean-Rul Raoul Solon, mm-hmm. um, do you know what he's most remembered for? No, tell me. I don't think I looked him up. Well, for a start, he is the uh, most decorated soldier in the French army. Okay, um, you said that like it's a big thing. This is the French army. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was joking. I'm joking. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just joking. All you French listeners. They were like, uh, 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 General Salon, uh, let, let me ask you a question. Uh, when, uh, the, when the enemy attacked, did you turn around and run away? Uh, no. <laughs> Quick, give this guy a medal. He is the most famous French soldier in the, since Napoleon. I and he wasn't, away. Napoleon wasn't even really French. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't hard. Not a lot of competition. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, his story, this is jumping ahead a bit, but I did right. want to mention this so you know who you're dealing with here. Yeah. In 1960, he retired uh, in the late 50s um, from the army. Um, But in 1961, a few years after he retired, he was one of four retired French generals who organised the Algiers Putsch. They tried to take over the government of Algiers in order to stop them from gaining their independence from France. Okay. So, so, like... 
15 years, 14 years later, after he's in, he's trying to stop the Vietnamese from getting their independence. <laughs> he hasn't learned anything. He's trying to stop the uh, Algerians right. from getting their independence. God damn. Um, on the afternoon of the 21st of April, 1961, in the middle of the Algerian War, a thousand men, elite units of the airborne divisions of the French army, under control of these four retired French generals. Right. And senior guys too, like the former head of the Air Force and the former head of the Chief of Staff, I think, the former Chief of Staff, um, took control of all of Algiers' strategic points within three hours and basically said, because at the time... Uh, the French were getting ready uh, to to give Algiers their independence. There'd been, a, I think, um, a, a vote on it in France. They'd been fighting this brutal war for right. six or seven years. F- the French were over it. Uh, they had their asses kicked by the Vietnamese. Now they're having their asses kicked by the Algerians. They're Jesus. like, <laughs> we're... <laughs> Sacre <laughs> bleu, when will we ever learn? <laughs> we are stupid French people. <laughs> Um, we are lovers. And uh, de Gaulle, de right. Gaulle, the irony here is de Gaulle was the president of France again. Ah, uh, he's back. And it was actually Salin who got convinced de Gaulle to come back, but then de Gaulle is supporting the independence movement. Salin got wow. de Gaulle to come back in the late 50s because he thought de Gaulle would stop Algerian independence. But right. in fact, de Gaulle said, well, the people voted for it, let's do it. So Salan and these other generals try and execute a coup d'etat in Algiers on the 21st of April, 1961. Only lasted four days, though, because de Gaulle jumped on the radio. and Wireless radio was fairly new at the time. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the soldiers, a lot of the French soldiers and civilians in Algiers could listen to him give speeches. And he gave speeches going, listen... Um, you know, the French government doesn't support this. The French military don't support this. This is Fuck. an illegal operation. And so the citizens and a lot of the French soldiery in Algiers uh, rose up against the coup, put it down. Two generals were arrested and court-martialed, sentenced Damn. to 15 years, but it was commuted, and five years later they got their old jobs back. Of course. That's that's the French for you. White privilege. But, yeah. So, but Salah and another guy, Juhol, to, to another general, they escaped, were oh, condemned God. in absentia to death. Fuck. And Salan went and founded, he went to hiding and founded something called the Organisation Armée Secrète, the, the Secret Armed Organisation, the OAS. Right. Now, if you've ever seen movies like The Day of the Jackal, the o- this gets a mention. The OAS was like a, basically a right-wing terrorist organization, French terrorist organization. God I think damn. in The Day of the Jackal, the uh, Jackal supposedly, you know, comes out of the OAS. He was a, you know, a, a sniper assassin for the OAS. Right. So Salon creates a right-wing paramilitary terrorist organization who then basically set up to stop Algerian independence. So uh, uh, learning everything they could from the terrorist activities of the French army in Madagascar a decade earlier, they um, 
they they go start committing terrorist activities in Algiers and in France itself. Their motto was Le Algérie en français, elle restera. Algeria is French and will remain so. Um, they they tried to stop the um, Evian agreements that were happening in '62. Right. They carried out bombings and targeted assassinations both in France and in Algiers. Estimated to have killed about 2,000 people through terrorist activities between wow. April 61 and April 62. They even tried to assassinate de Gaulle several times. Oh, my so God. So Solon gets, he's the most, milita- most decorated French military officer ever, tries to overthrow the Algerian government, fails, gets sentenced to death, Gets 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 De Gaulle to come back as president, then tries to assassinate De Gaulle when he <laughs> <Right>. doesn't <laughs> Go his get way. rid of the Algerian independence movement. Yeah, yeah. He's given the death sentence in in. Oh, he gets arrested finally. Solon in April '62. He gets arrested in Algiers, given the death sentence. Court martial, given the death sentence, but it gets commuted to life imprisonment. And then it actually gets pardoned in 1968. They're like, oh, it was all a bigger misunderstanding. <laughs> he is fresh. He just fresh, very, very yeah. emotional people. He's you a know, patriot. He, 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 yeah. he, he missed his stinky cheese and he just went, oh, I will overthrow the country. And he died um, a civilian in 1984. Fuck um, him. It's a fucking hell, man. Fuck the fucking him. French. Between Madagascar, Vietnam, and Algiers in this period, and still the Americans are like, eh, you know, as you finish, uh, the, the Americans are like, <laughs> there eh, are people. What? what? Yeah. No, yeah. nothing Say to see here. Nothing going yeah. on. Yeah. 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 That's, that's my people. Jesus. Yeah. We got their back. So the French are trying to stop the Vietnamese from having their independence, they're trying to stop the Madagascans. From having their independence. Right. They're trying to stop the Algerians from having their independence. And what did America do? Nothing. Uh, fuck all. Two-word answer. In fact, they invaded Vietnam <laughs> on their behalf. Yeah. Operation And so Hold people go, beer. when yeah. people, so you might start to get an understanding, listeners, for why when Americans try and position their country as the fucking white knights of the world... <laughs> Emphasis on white. Um, or the French try and position themselves as uh, civilized peoples. Mm-hmm. Um, I cough, cough, bullshit all of that. And they go, really? Where were you when? What were you doing when? And this wasn't 100 years ago. Right. This was post-World War Two. Yeah. When we've got a United Nations. What did the United Nations do about all of this? Nada. What did the Americans have to say about it? Nada. What did the British have to say about it? Nada. God. Yeah. Didn't pay. You know. You know who stepped in. You know who stepped in to support the Algerians. Tell me. Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. Oh my God! That's right. Did they send actual troops or supplies? I'm trying to. Che Guevara. Che Guevara went there himself. God damn. Personally, yeah. lived in the fucking jungles of Algiers for a couple of years, trying to help them fight their revolution. And Cuba sent thousands of troops and doctors right. and the whole deal. Yeah. Good God. 
And who's the good guys? Yeah. Exactly. Don't get me fucking started. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. so back to Viet Bach. <laughs> so Val Wee's, uh, uh, you know, what do you call the guys up the front? The advanced <laughs> units? I can't think of the term. The... Yeah, I guess that'll do. All right. They parachuted in. Yeah. Um, just north of the Viet Minh base. And as you said before, landed on a bunch of mines, barricades and traps. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, shit. Was Who that saw that coming? Yeah. We oh. thought, we didn't think they'd be preparing for us. We just thought they'd be... Uh, running away. I don't know. You know, like French. Yeah, running away. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we taught them nothing over the last hundred years of our colonialization that right. you don't prepare and fight back? <laughs> Run away when you're faced with Run a away. possibly equal or superior force. <laughs> yeah. So, so what happens is the two infantry forces are supposed, like I said a minute ago, they're supposed to come surround and finish off, you know, obviously secure the paratroopers who had already landed and grabbed Ho. They're supposed to come in, surround the Vietnamese forces and destroy them. However, because they were delayed with all with all the setups that the Vietnamese had done, and they put up a strong resistance as well. Now, the French do break through on October 16th, excuse me, October 16th, and they do relieve the paratroopers, but when the paratroopers are asked, where's Ho, where you're holding him, their answer is not exactly what Valoui wanted to hear. They said, no Ho, no Ho. <laughs> I'm Ho-less, sorry. The ho-less. truth is I'm Ho-less. No yeah. Ho. No. Yeah. Ho. Ho not here. No here. Ho not here. <laughs> <laughs> so it was about 950 parachutists, parachutists, para, 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 that's a hard word to say, 950 para guys troopers. in parachutes, let's go yeah, with that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's it, paratroopers. Yeah. Um, took them three trips and many hours to get down and get through the barricades and oh. the traps to get into Ho's headquarters or Ho quarters. Right. Um, <laughs> and they nearly did take yeah. it. Now. The Viet Minh's intelligence operations did know this was coming, but they didn't know the exact date. They did find out, but they had tried to get uh, information to Ho when they found out the actual uh, operation date, but it got stuck. It didn't get to them fast enough for some reason. It got to Ho just about the same time the parachutists were walking Towards his base. So Ho and Jap and all these guys just managed to get away. They snuck out the oh. back with like minutes to spare. Right. When the when the French got into his headquarters, there were burning cigarettes in ashtrays. Oh, fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> um documents uh, lying on tables, secret documents, arms, ammunitions. Um, and a life-sized cardboard cutout of Ho <laughs> chucking them a brown eye. <laughs> I did not read that. I did not know that. Wow. Well, he had time to he had time to prepare. He had time to kill. He had time to prepare that. They right? just pulled that. They they that set up ready to go. <laughs> um, he was just laughing, chucking a brown eye, giving him the finger as they walked in. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, literally burning cigarette butts. That's how close. Wow. The French were to capturing Ho alive. But he got out and uh, they slipped out the back door. 
marched all day over mountainous paths, up streams, up hills and down dales, um, <laughs> hither and thither, right. then thither and hither, just to throw them off the scent. Right. Each one of them, all they had with them was a small little bag over their shoulder that had some clothes, their toothbrush, um, yeah. a, a, a dildo for those long cold nights in the jungle, maybe a gun. That's it. That's all they had with them. Snuck out the back. And they were moving quite fast. Yeah. Now, for for me, so for the French, not only do they not have Ho, they don't have his cabinet, they don't have his general staff. At least they've got the troops in this area that was Vietnamese-dominated. So again, their orders still stand. They are to consolidate. They are to eliminate the um, Vietnamese with sweeps. But again, there's very little contact, as we were saying before, what was going on in the South, is that the Vietnamese would just fade into the jungle the French couldn't find them, and then the uh, Viet Minh would literally come back in places and times that they chose and harass the French. So again, this is not going well. On November 8th, the operation is officially called off. The French have claimed that they've inflicted 9,000 9, casualties, but it wasn't the big war-ending um, surprise battle that it was supposed to be. And yet, General Salon not this will not be surprise you considering everything Cam just said. He hailed it as a success <laughs> because that's what you do. <laughs> Never admit defeat. Right? We Smile. will fight them on the beaches. <laughs> we will fight them with stinky cheeses. That was the uh, yeah. The, you do? the French is like no, no. We won. Look, they're not here. Well, we didn't capture. Did you get them? Well, no. No, we didn't. Capture them? No. Did you kill them? Uh, no. No, we didn't kill yeah. them. Not as many as... So yeah. on what basis are you saying it's... Uh, well, yeah, you did kill one of them. What basis yeah. are you saying it's a victory? Well, they didn't kill us. <laughs> so yeah. he, there's he, that. <laughs> That's sad. Does that count? He did have one solid basis for declaring victory because they control this area because the Vietnamese scattered hither and yon they do now control the main route to China the Kiao Bang on the northern border the last remaining Vietnamese contact with the outside world was cut so as much as isolated as Ho was he still had a lifeline to to a part of China that is now cut. And based on that, General Salon is not completely wrong by declaring victory. This guy is shut down. His forces forces are scattered. And now he cannot contact anybody, as far as I can tell, outside of this immediate area that he's in. Ho is trapped in the jungle, just like <laughs> Br'er Rabbit trapped in the tar pits. He's like... Exactly. Oh, no, not the tar pits. Don't throw me into the jungle. The place where I lived for like five years like a fucking king. The jungles that I know like the back of my hand. Oh, no, don't make me go hide in the jungle. I was thinking, do Americans still read Br'er Rabbit? I read read Br'er Rabbit growing up. Do Do your kids know who Br'er Rabbit is? Heather did, she read it to the kids, but when we went to Disney World and we rode on the ride, I had no fucking idea who this guy was and all the other characters. I'm like, yeah, it's a roller coaster ride. So it, I, I think it's fading out, but 
she did. So, but I think you it's You didn't out. know, Br'er Rabbit. No, fuck no. Fuck no. You grew up in the South, motherfucker. You didn't le- read Uncle Remus? Um, no, it sounds racist, but no, I did not read that. <laughs> well, that, that's why I thought you would have read it. <laughs> okay. Well, here, little Ray, <laughs> read this little piece of racist literature. Um, I'm wondering... No, it's not racist. Real. I mean, I, I, no, I, don't I think know. it's racist from memory. I mean, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was very friendly. But um, I don't know, man. I'm just yeah. I'm wondering if if it's uh, fallen off the bandwagon. Uncle Remus, Brer Rabbit, Brer Fox. I, I love I, those stories growing up. I, I, if I had to guess, I would think they're fading away. But I really don't know. Um, so yeah, so the Viet Minh faded quietly into the jungle again, as you said. They would then they would just pop out of nowhere when the French were eating stinky cheese. Um, they drop their pants, brown eye them, and then disappear before the French could lick the cheese off their fingers. They just started harassing them, yeah. getting on their nerves, yeah, um, perfecting their guerrilla techniques. But right. Salon didn't report that. He reported back to France that all that were left were isolated bands of varying levels of importance, susceptible to simple police operations. He claimed that the <coughs> Viet Minh had practically ceased to exist. Yes, if you go by Never before. Yeah. Never before in the history of the world has one man been so wrong about so much. <laughs> And he was wrong. Oh, my God. Because like you said, they just went into the woods. They would come out when it was best for them. And now the French are being harassed by these people. It doesn't matter that it's spears or arrows or whatever. These guys are mobile. They can move. They don't stay on the roads. The French are not able to get at these guys. And they're still in the fight. That's what it comes down to. The Viet Minh are still in the fight. Yeah. Now, he had set the Viet Minh back a little bit. That's, yes. that's true. Um, but it was it was barely a flesh wound. They they <laughs> were forced to dissolve their sort of main force units, like these these regular troops, divided them into armed propaganda units. Right. Forced them to sort of study and perfect the techniques of guerrilla warfare, forced them to go out into the villages and teach the villagers' guerrilla warfare, teach them to be responsible for their own defence, mm-hmm. um, to get them to provide recruits for new guerrilla forces, um, and and basically force the Viet Minh to, I don't know, just, just perfect the art of guerrilla right. warfare, which, yeah. of course, they did. Now, within a day, Jiap had rallied the Viet Minh troops. They started to attack the French in the ways that were going to be most effective for them. So you talked about these battalions that were coming in by road. They Mm. were getting bogged down by ambushes, bridges that were blown, and piano key ditches on the roads. You know what a piano key ditch is, Ray? No, tell me. Well, you know what? uh, Think of a... um, uh, a zipper, a, a, a zip fastener. Yeah. So that's basically, think of, think of a, a road where you dig holes like a zipper fastener. So you have 
um, holes going halfway across the road coming right. in from opposite sides. Okay. Um, so you can, you can uh, uh, probably walk over them. Uh, you can probably pull a horse over them or a, a donkey or a mule can walk on the things. If you have like a, a big wagon, you can probably get across these things. Mm-hmm. But um, for an army, yeah, you've got, you got 10,000 guys trying to walk down a road where there's just holes left and right. It's going to slow you down and, and with ah. other wheeled weapons with smaller wheelbases make it very difficult. What would happen is the villagers would come out, dig these piano key ditches on the roads. French would come along. Uh, fill them in, and then at night the villagers would come and redig them again. Oh, and this is something they did for thirty years right across Vietnam. Oh right? they my were God! Just sabotaging um, the roads, sabotaging the bridges, making it very hard for this traditional military force to be able to move or move quickly. Um, just piecing them off, and it, they did such a good job that within a month of the beginning of Operation Princess Leia, it was called off. Yeah. The French were claiming victory, but really it had only just begun, obviously. (laughs) And and I don't know how much detail you want to go into on this, but and you made the point a couple of minutes ago, when Ho was forced to return back to the Viet Bac, you know, north of Hanoi back in late December of 1946, you know, yes, he was back to the simple life. He wasn't in a a palace, but this guy had lived like this for years. This is not a hardship for him. I'm sure the the time that it took him to convert back to living like this, even though it's meager rations and everything else, was very quick, very easy for him. So this is not something that he is suffering through. He has done it before, and even though he's getting older, he can certainly do it again. And you can go into detail about that time, but again, this this is Ho in his element. Yeah, he had done this for years before. He's doing it again. In, in a way, I guess they sort of figured out how to do this, live simply, sustainably, yeah. uh, hole up for a long time in jungles, train, him and a small team of men living in a bamboo hut. Uh, apparently, when they first got back to Viet back in December '46, uh, when the Battle of Hanoi broke out, they um, had a dog to guard them against wild animals. Wow! It was quickly killed and eaten by a tiger. <laughs> and, uh, I'm out. I'm out. They said, "You had one job, dog. One job." <laughs> And the tiger had one job too, and the tiger won. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Toe went, hmm, tiger <laughs> strikes at night out of nowhere and disappears back into the jungle. I mm. like that. I like mm. that. Yeah. They lived a fairly simple existence, these guys. Um, when they could eat, they were eating a little bit of rice, some wild vegetables. Um, occasionally, if they were lucky, the villagers would give them some salted meat, which mm. they would thinly slice up and serve with some peppers. Ho called it conserve de Viet Minh, canned Viet Minh. <laughs> um, oh, man. It's pouring rain outside my window. I don't know if you can hear that. I hear a little um, Yeah. But often they didn't get to eat at all. They were hungry. They eventually started to grow their own food. Uh, they they you know, had their own little vegetable gardens and that kind right. of thing that helped. Um, 
the uh, Ho's bed consisted of a mosquito net and his clothes. God. It was basically it. Right. They didn't, you know, it wasn't luxurious, <laughs> but it was enough. But they, but the good thing was, because he had nothing, whenever they were forced to move, and apparently over the next 10 years, Ho would move 20 times at least Damn. to avoid the French. Right. Because they had no, no belongings, they could pack up and leave within minutes. In fact, I've got ah. a clip here of I've got a clip here of Ho talking about his philosophy. Okay, told me one time. Don't let yourself get attached to anything. You are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Damn. That he was does Ho's a good philosophy. He does a good De Niro impression. I'm impressed. He did a great De Niro. Yeah, yeah well, De Niro yeah. does a good ho. That's People true. don't know that. That's De Niro's true. built a career just by... Uh, in fact... <laughs> right. You know, when did, when did De Niro start making movies? I don't know. Late 60s, early 70s. Sounds right. Ho Chi Minh supposedly died in 1969. I think you're onto something. I think what happened was Ho, Chi, Ho just shaved off his beard and mo he and kept going. Uh, kept going. Went to Hollywood. Yeah. And yeah. Here I am, baby. Came Robert De Niro. Right. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, I rewatched Heat uh, a week or so ago. Uh, yeah. For those kids out there who've never seen Heat. 1995 film starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Val Kilmer. Yeah. Um, directed by Michael Mann. One of the great, great fucking films, man. Oh, so good. Holds yeah. up so well. Nice. Perfect, perfect film. I remember seeing it in the cinema when it came out. Came out just going, well, fuck me. That was just perfect. <laughs> like... Perfect. <laughs> yeah, the and scenes with De Niro. Up. Yeah, the scenes with De Niro and uh, Al Pacino. Fucking awesome. Fucking every awesome. like oh, young Natalie Portman. She's like twelve in that. Yeah. Um, every shot is beautiful. Every performance is perfect. It's just the shootout. Oh, down the street. Oh my god, the sound of the guns and the shootout. Terrifying shootout. Anyway, right. good film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Ho, Ho could get out within minutes if he felt the heat around the corner. A um, couple of books, a couple of documents, small bag, yeah. uh, one set of clothes. One of his companions would grab his typewriter <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. He would, um, he continued to do exercise. You've got to be fit. Uh, mornings and evenings, he'd do his exercises. They played a lot of volleyball. Wow, that's uh, not sexy. Or... Sorry. Val Wee Ball, they called it, in honor of uh, General Val Wee. They said, right. imagine this ball as Val Wee's head Spike. or balls and right. we're smacking him over a net. <laughs> um, I read that if the, if the opposing team playing against Ho get, got behind, they would take advantage of his age and lack of mobility Aww. and smack the ball over the net. Um, in front of him. A bunch of cunts that they yeah. were. It's been yeah. a mean thing to do. <laughs> um, when they were forced to cross a stream, though, they would stay close to Ho in case he got swept away. But usually he was able to keep up. In fact, 
according to some people who were there, he did better than the younger guys. A lot of the younger guys were suffering from malaria and other diseases. Yeah. Ho was as tough as nails in this period. He said, I'm like an old propeller-driven plane while you were all jets. Wow. He's like the tortoise in the hare. He might be slow, but he just keeps going. Yeah. Ho, the tortoise and the ho. <laughs> uh, no, the ho, the, he is the tortoise. The, uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you get the idea. <laughs> yeah. So the French had their fall offensive, um, which should have been, uh, Operation Lee, it should have been a French victory, but it wasn't. So the war kind of um, settles down into a war of stagnation. Again, Valois has limited men, so he can only do limited sweeps. But again, in some ways, it doesn't really matter because the Viet Minh got really good about dodging the sweeps, going into the woods, and then coming back. But what happens is, because the French are controlling the south... And now that the French have, through Operation Leo, control the north, there's a zone in, almost in the middle of the country that the French do not control, and that comes under the control of the Viet Minh. And again, it kind of had shitty soil. It was hard to plant crops, but the point is um, the French didn't have enough troops to, to hold what they had and really move into the center of the country. So the Viet Minh do have their kind of own base of operation. Yeah, it stretched from Faifo, uh, as it was known back then, modern Hoi An, which is on the coast just below Da Nang, about mm. halfway down the coast of Vietnam, down to Cape Varela, modern Point Kegar, down on the south, kind of near Saigon, or the coast of where Saigon is, modern Ho Chi Minh City. Right. So, yeah, they effectively split the country in two. The French controlled most of the south, um, and up the north, but the Viet Minh were able to take this big middle section. Um, and again, they're hiding in jungles. So you've got Hanoi, the big city of the north, Saigon, the big city of the south. Right. French control those two areas. Vietnam, Viet Minh managed to control everything in the middle of the two. Wow. So um, at the time, though, the Viet Minh start to get more opposition from these other nationalist groups, the National United Front, which with the support of the French and bow down, uh, starting to try and build a third force. Yeah. Non-communists that can be positioned as an alternative to the French and the Viet Minh. Right. So, as we mentioned earlier, December 47, bow down is meeting with Bollywood, the commish. They're trying <laughs> to hatch a plan to... to uh, come up with a compromise deal that'll look good to the Americans but allow the French to really stay yeah. in control. And they finally do come up with some kind of a document that bowed down signs, a joint declaration. It contains the magic word independence but hedges it with a whole bunch of qualifications, so much so that it basically is useless and as soon as word gets out about it, bowed down cops so much shit from both the <laughs> Viet Minh and the nationalists for being a yeah. traitorous scum that he quickly disowns it and disappears. He pulls a Kaiser Sose, goes to Geneva, goes to Cannes, goes to Paris, gambling, whoring, drinking, fucking, uh, playing tennis. <laughs> Whenever the French could track him down, he'd go, oh, sorry, got to go, got whoring to do, and he would disappear again. Um, yeah. The horse aren't going to do themselves. He's like, fuck this. Yeah. Yeah, these horse aren't going to fuck themselves. Um, five at a time. It, uh, it got... It, 
he was like, fuck you guys. You got me in trouble. Um, I, yeah. I'm not up for this. Fuck you. I'm rich. I don't need to do this shit. He got the I'm, uh, he got the hell out of Dodge. But the French persisted because they kept getting criticised by the Americans. Yeah. The Americans were like, listen, you're looking at this, this, like, okay, we can ignore Madagascar. We can ignore Algiers. Yeah. But uh, too many people are paying attention to Vietnam. Do something that, you know, gives us a get-out-of-jail-free card here. Yeah. Now, I had read that in March of 1948, Bao Dai, who is, you know, I mean, yeah, he's got to be careful, but I think he's, in my opinion, he's angling for something for himself. He does meet with reps of the National Front in Hong Kong, and again, he knows the best places to party, and he does agree, finally, to become a part of a provisional government led by General Nying, I'm not sure to say his name, Nguyen Van Jian a native of the south of the country who had adopted uh, French citizenship. Um, so he's angling to set up, a, like you were saying a minute ago, a non-communist party, a non-communist uh, country, a government, and now they have Bao Dai on their team. So things are starting to look good for this organization, and it's also hurting Ho because they're the ones who are going to be talking to the French, and maybe something can be worked out. And in a worst-case scenario, I wonder if the nationalists and the French French might go after the Viet Minh. Yeah. Now, this uh, general, Nguyen Van Quan, mm-hmm. uh, formerly was the head of the Republic of Cochin, China, this puppet state that ah. uh, the French had set up, De Jean, De Jean Liu had set up a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he was uh, an interesting character. I read up on this guy. He had been educated at the École Polytechnique in Paris, had Mm. spent most of his life in France. French was his language of choice. Wow. So a French citizen, French, very Frenchy. Vietnamese, but about as French as you can get. (laughs) Right. Actually enlisted in the French Air Force in 1936, Mm -hmm. graduated as a pilot and flight engineer in 1937, was assigned to a bomber squadron, achieved the rank of second lieutenant, ran bombing raids against Germany as part of the French Air Force in 1940, um, wow. ended up being awarded the Croix de Guerre, the Cross of War, for his contribution to the war effort. And, uh, I mean, that, I don't know if you know about the Croix de Guerre, but that's awarded to soldiers who distinguish themselves by acts of heroism nice. involving combat with the enemy. So... You know, from a French perspective, basically everyone who doesn't run away in the first right. five minutes gets one of those. It's just, <laughs> it's standard. Um, even if you just turn and give the enemy a hard stare yeah. in France, that you get one, one of those. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Now, um, so he's made the head of the provisional government that Bowed Down is supporting. Mm-hmm. Bollywood agrees to recognize the new provisional government, because he's pretty much set it up. This is a French right. creation. Um, and they start negotiations. But even then, it doesn't go completely smoothly. But by June of 1948, the French and the new Bowdown uh, government reached an agreement on a concept. They're going to create a thing called the Associated State of Vietnam, the ASV. Mm. Now, it would have independence 
and unity within the French Union. Right. Everything Ho has been fighting for oh, for shit. years. Right. By June of 48, the French finally start to say, okay, you can have it. Because they're running out of time, and, and I think that the, the Americans are giving them a hard stare. And, you know, anyone just looks hard at a Frenchman. They shit, shit themselves. Yeah. La merde. <laughs> La merde. Uh, they merded their pants. Right. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's not looking good. So right. they have to do a deal. So they finally do a deal. Um, but... <laughs> They use the word independence, but even then, it's still a little bit wishy-washy right. about exactly how this independence business is going to work. Oh, yeah, you're going to be independent. Really? Can we form our own military? Oh, listen, mm. we'd rather not talk about that. Mm. Well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Can we have our own diplomatic corps? Oh, well, listen, oh, look at the time. It's, isn't it, it's stinky cheese time. We've got to go have some stinky cheese. Um, it right. reminds me a lot of Yalta, actually. The French were trying to pull a Stalin. Ah, sure, Poland, independence, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Poland can we'll have their independence. The I fucking love it. Yeah. We love that idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, who's going to form the government? Oh, well, I don't know, people. Um, but listen, I, I, isn't it uh, dinner time? Hey, Churchill, don't, don't, you want a cigar and 27 <laughs> bottles of wine? Isn't it time for... How long is it since you had a stogie, Churchill? <laughs> oh, poo. 20 minutes? Oh, oh, 20 minutes? You're overdue. You can't, you're can't overdue. do that. Like, you're overdue. Yeah. That's... <laughs> By the way, I want to point out to anyone listening to this that um, I'm out of cigars. So uh, if anyone wants to send me uh-huh. some cigars, um, <laughs> all right, that'd be great. Yeah. Anyone from America want to send me some cigars? Anyone? Just like a dozen cigars? No, not not calling any names. No, but uh, our mate Rod sent me some cigars last time, um, which was very nice of him. Got, oh, got yeah. me through. But uh, anyone wants to send me some cigars, that'd be great because I have no cigars. Just gotcha. just uh, just putting that out there. Right. No cigars for Cam. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, right, uh, they left it very very wishy washy, and as it turned out. Um, that 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 was kind of a problem, um, yeah. leaving it wishy-washy. Ho, meanwhile, declares bow down a traitor to his people. And as it turned out, the people went, yeah, we, 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 we tend to agree. Yeah. Um, according to all of the observers, uh, American observers in particular, that were in Vietnam at the time, uh, the French <laughs> colonialists in Vietnam were pissed because the way they saw it, the French had given in oh, to the Vietnamese. Right. The Vietnamese weren't happy with it because they f- felt that Bao Down and uh, Juan had given in to the French. Yeah. So nobody was happy with the agreement, except maybe the Americans, because now the Americans can go, oh, well, look, the French have got an agreement with the Vietnamese. So, okay, we can, we, we can, let, you know, we can g- let them get on with their business now. Right. One less thing to worry about. The French are finally doing what we want them to do, which is talk a little more and kill a little less. Which was the whole idea for the French. The French wanted to get the Americans off their backs, so at least they've got a kind of a deal right? Um, now that they can point at and say, look, we're trying. Get off our fucking backs. We're trying. We've right. offered them independence. Is it, is it real independence? No. But did they know that? 
no. So, so fuck off. You know, just yeah. yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> now, it worked. The Americans backed off. Now Truman was getting more worried about the growing threat of communism in Asia, partly because of his deteriorating relationship with Stalin, but partly because of Mao's victories in China. Mm-hmm. And in the summer of 48, Marshall told his diplomats in Asia to do everything they could to weaken the communists in wow. Indochina and strengthen what he called the truly nationalist groups. Which I guess meant Bao Dai, even though he's a whoremonger. The U.S. officials are like, well, they did sign an agreement. They are making progress. And so even though we either personally don't like this guy or don't think much of him, he's the best we've got on the ground. And Marshall says, work with the nationalists. So I guess we got to start working with Bao Dai and his government. Bow down, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're basically saying, the Americans is indicating at this point, okay, we might be willing to come to the table with economic assistance mm. for the Vietnamese if there's a deal in place with Bow Down and the French. Ah. So by January of 49, the French and the ASV, the Associated State of Vietnam, finally reach final wording on the agreement um, coach in China is going to be included in the ASV. Nice. There's a ceremony held on March 9th, 1949, uh, at the Elysee Palace in mm. Paris. Agreement is signed by both parties. There's a there's a um, similar event in Saigon, where apparently four people and a dog turned up to celebrate <laughs> it, according to observers. Um, but. They wheeled it. They wheeled in school kids right. to wave flags, but there, there was not a big turnout or celebration no. on behalf of the Vietnamese people. But if it's the right dog, you can still have a good party. So I'll tell you what, let me just say one thing. <laughs> let me just say one thing, and then I'll let you tear it down. So in this agreement, France recognizes Vietnamese independence and unity within the French Union, subject to formal ratification of the agreement by the French Nationalist Assembly, the new state would be able to conduct its own foreign affairs, control its finances, and create a Vietnamese national army. This should have been a major victory for Bao Down, a major blow for Ho, but the devil's in the details. Yeah, there were some restrictions on it. Um, Some of those were imposed by being a member of the French Union. Mm-hmm. But the biggest problem with the agreement was it's very hard to call yourself the official government of a country yeah. when you don't control 60% of it, <laughs> which was the case here because the Viet Minh controlled 60% of the country wow. at this stage. Wow. But you would think that at one level, Ho is getting what he always claims he's wanted. He wanted full independence. They have full independence on paper. So is he going to give, okay, war's over. Got what we wanted. Thank you very much. Hang Everyone on. go home. Yeah. Go back. Yeah. Yeah. All done. Done, son. Thank you very much. <laughs> done. One and done. Ho is out. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. 
No spoilers. Don't know what happens. Maybe. Maybe it's all over. <laughs> maybe, maybe this could be the last episode. Yeah, who knows? Could be the last episode. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Cold War was over. Everyone everyone figured out they could get along. They all went home. Kumbaya, my lord. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time. D-back. Descended across the continent. From the Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. Where tonight we will salute Hollywood. We're gonna talk about films. We're going to talk about features. We're going to talk about creatures, cinema teachers. We're going to talk about sequels, prequels, squeakles, eagles, beagles, seagulls, people, weasels. Everybody say, ooh-wee. Bump it. What up with that? Oomaloopa. What up with that? Ooh-wee. What's up with that? What's up with that? Is up with that. Now, if you go to the movies, don't get too much liquid butter. Yes, because it's nasty.